Hi, this is Milton Pedraza, CEO of the Luxury Institute. Today's podcast brought to you by Luxury Institute and Data Lucent, a company in which I'm an investor, is about the new era of primary customer data. Primary customer data. As we look back, one critical metric that consumer goods and services businesses were forced to confront in 2020 was the true depth of the relationship they have with customers. And for the most part, it wasn't pretty. As lockdowns occurred and consumers rapidly accelerated to digital channels, there were only a few brand winners across all brand categories, whether mass or premium or luxury, in the context of this rapidly digitizing economy. Many companies realized that their brands, despite all the rhetoric to the contrary, are flat-footed, product-centric, channel-centric, and transactional. The transformation of brands into omnipersonal, that is, they transcend channels when they build the relationships, customer-centric organizations will be an existential imperative in the Roaring Twenties. And customer data will be the lifeblood of customer centricity. I think that bears repeating. Customer data will be the lifeblood of customer centricity because it is a mirror image of your customer. Now, global privacy regulations, the ongoing death of third-party cookies, ad blocking, and other impediments to wasteful and ineffective marketing methods that exist today will eliminate unethical and sometimes illegal methods of collecting data by intermediaries. In 2021 and moving forward, one of the most important ways that a brand can measure customer loyalty is by how much personal data and insights their customers are willing to share with them, with the brand, legally and ethically. How much are they willing to share in exchange for fair value, rewards, and personalization? The art and science of customer data access today is defined by four types of data, and they are third-party data, second-party data, first-party data, and now something called zero-party data. So let me explain briefly so we can understand each type. Third-party data is collected by intermediaries from various sources, people who are known, entities that are known as data brokers. And this data can be demographic data, such as your age, or gender, or behavioral data, such as your physical location, your browsing, and your ad responses. Now, most of the time, this data is collected online from third-party cookies and other direct feeds from public websites into data aggregators, again, the data brokers. Today, this data is highly controversial because it has been exposed for what it is, unauthorized consumer surveillance. And in addition to that, even the most benign, the most ethical third-party data brokers who collect data from public records have issues with data being notoriously inaccurate, dated, and obsolete. In fact, in a recent Deloitte survey, only 59% of consumers found their collected third-party data to be reasonably accurate. Reasonably accurate. Third-party data providers, as they exist today, as they operate today, may disappear as an industry 
if they fail to adapt because they rarely provide brands with the critical information that they need to be effective marketers. Okay, that's third-party data. Now let's look at second-party data. Second-party data is the data that organizations, let's say publishers like the New York Times or Wall Street Journal, collect directly from their clients and their customers. And some of those brands, they will share their data with other organizations as part of a partnership or for financial gain. While this data is typically accurate, it is often thin and limited. There's not a whole lot of that data. Now, given new privacy regulations, it's an open question whether ethical brands, especially publishers, will continue to take the security and privacy risks of sharing their own customer data, even if they have customer consent, which is now very unlikely. They're unlikely to get that consent. So second-party data sharing is in decline. Now let's look at first-party data. First-party data is the data that's collected by a brand from their surveys, their website, mobile apps, store transactions, online transactions, and other means of direct interaction and communication with their customers. For example, the results of a campaign. And first-party data is essential, of course, to a brand's operations and success. But by definition, its use is limited in scope in terms of building comprehensive customer relationships. It's basically like looking into a mirror. It's all the things that you did with customers, but it doesn't give you the context of the outside world. To add a little bit to the problem, first-party data often resides in different silos, in different systems within the enterprise, making it difficult to holistically understand customers. And also, very importantly, and I used to run CRM at Citibank, I was the first global business owner of the CRM project at Citibank, first-party data also tends to be biased since it's based on single sources and on actions previously taken by the enterprise. So for example, during the pandemic, you may have had to discount dramatically to move product out the door. That may not be relevant as an insight in 2021. So it may or may not be optimal for the business. And in and of itself, first-party data is not optimal for the business. So now Forrester Research, an organization that we respect tremendously, has coined a new term called zero-party data. And that refers to data that consumers are willing to share directly with a brand that they trust in exchange for some understood and agreed upon value. Now, in lieu of third-party cookies, collecting this zero-party data has now become popularized as the holy grail by the ag tech community and the martech vendors. Suggestions for collecting zero-party data such as demographic data and preferences data, that's really the data they focus on, preferences by consumers. The methods used for that include using surveys, contests, and incentives. For brands that are customer-centric, that have been customer-centric for a while, asking your customers about preferences and recording them in some digital tool is nothing new. However, it is inefficient because customers are not willing to give you the patience or the time to consistently answer questions for every brand that wants to receive those answers on an ongoing basis especially. So what's the solution? We believe that the solution is a term we have coined called primary data. So let me give you a little bit of context. 
Luxury Institute and Data Lucent have created an advanced personalization exchange. We call it the Apex platform. And that platform is built on the knowledge and the belief that all human beings have intrinsic value and they deserve data dignity. They have personal data rights that they can exercise. Individuals, human beings produce valuable content and data and they have a right to control how that data are expressed and used or not expressed and used. That is their right and their legal choice. However, in this emerging personal data economy, individuals realize that they can earn fair value benefits and rewards, almost like a loyalty program, say free room nights from a hotel brand by building and licensing compilations of their data. Data consumers, such as marketers and brands, can now leverage a new access point to cross-platform data. By cross-platform, I mean Google, Facebook, Apple, Instagram, Amazon data for each consumer. And that is what we call primary data. Now, the way that Luxury Institute and Data Lucent define primary data it consists of genuine, authentic, from the source content and personal data. They're generated and collected and compiled and shared by human beings, by individuals, as they are right. And primary data comes in many forms. Some of the most powerful forms of that data are your social media profiles from Facebook, Google, Instagram, Apple, Amazon, and other digital platforms with complete histories of content and metadata. Metadata is data about the data. So they have used all their analytics to profile you and to uh, create segments out of different individuals. That's very valuable data that consumers can leverage. And of course, there's Amazon and other e-commerce platforms, shopping history, recommendations and searches. That transactional and recommendation data, searching data is very powerful and consumers own that data. So that can be licensed. And of course, in this direct engagement with consumers via online surveys and other means, qualitative, for example, that's all still very valuable because while the rich behavioral data gives you the who, what, when, and where, very often quantitative and qualitative can be used to sift out the why part. So they all work together beautifully. But it's important to note again, that primary data begins with a verified individual. That's one of the reasons it's so powerful. It is not fake data. It is verified. It is from the individual directly, from a human being. So it represents the most original, the most authentic personal data possible, the richest, most relevant, and most timely data. It really is the richest, most accurate collection of digital information in the history of the internet. Again, because only that individual human being can access it make it into a licensable asset and share this verified cross-platform data. So what are some of the best uses of primary data? Well, again, the journey begins with the consumer making an informed, active choice to download their data to their device, their smartphone, their iPhone, their Android. And in that device, because they control that device, that data becomes theirs again. It always was, but now they have full control of that data. Now this simple step vests ownership and control immediately 
with it with the individual and it enables the consumer to assemble valuable compilations of their data say my google my facebook etc maybe i add a couple of more let's say my demographics and that becomes licensable digital assets the profiles and the data sets that are created now reside outside of proprietary networks. They're free from those one-sided terms of service that have 60 pages and that make you think that you don't own your data, that you don't control your data. And now your data is ready to license to trusted, eager, ethical brands and marketers. Again, in a legal, secure, and private method for fair value rewards. And so what are some of the use cases for the data, for the brands? Well, obviously you have highly relevant consent-based audiences now for advertising applications, for content applications. Many brands tell us that they don't know how to really create great content because their personas and their segments are really thin. They're built on very little data. This completely reverses that and gives you the richest cohorts, the richest personas and the richest segments so you can build content online and everywhere else. You're marketing, you're creative. And of course, there's the business intelligence, the ongoing business intelligence and syndicated market research products that can be created and that brands can acquire. And remember, this is direct engagement with real verified customers. So let's say you develop a panel. Not only can you get the rich, let's say Facebook and Google data, but you can have a real engagement, a real dialogue with consumers, again, to get to the why, to get more richness. That's the basis of a relationship with your customer. And then there's, of course, dynamic data markets with real-time offers and rewards. So you can create that ongoing offer feedback and get more and more uh, iterations, get greater speed in the way you manage your customer relationships. And of course, when we get to the end of this journey, towards the end of this journey, maybe it never ends, but as we become more advanced, you get more advanced predictions that lead to more advanced personalization recommendations and actions that are designed for a customer segment, a micro segment, or eventually again, and depending on the importance of the customer, for the individual customer. Maybe a hotel, the VIPs of hotels. How can we get to know them better and really cater to their needs their desires and their passions when they come to our environment. So what are the economics of primary data? Well, using primary data, brands are now empowered to create a direct relationship with the consumer. This is one of the most powerful ways to do so. Of course, you can have dialogue, etc. But when they trust you with their precious data because they know you're legal, ethical, secure and private, they now begin to partake in a rich ongoing dialogue of confirmation and updates of their demographic and behavioral attributes. You're doing that now with your customers and your prospects. If they trust you, prospects will also license that data or its insights to you. So this combination of consumer dialogue, online surveys, qualitative interviews, combined with behavioral data from the richest sources, delivers far greater accuracy and far more predictive power. And I think that's a critical term, predictive power, so that you can generate recommendations that are likely to be adopted by the customer. And this is true. This primary data has more predictive power than any other option currently available for targeting. 
It empowers relationship deepening for segments and individuals. It triggers continuous new product and service innovations. And the end result is a new range of opportunities for achieving compounded economic returns for both brands and individuals. Before, it was a one-sided symmetrical relationship. Now you are empowering the individual to license their data for economic prosperity and you are increasing the economic prosperity of the brand at the same time. So it's a win-win situation. For top-tier brands, agencies, and their consultants, for those entities that embrace true digital transformation, primary customer data will become the obvious choice for personal data, which in combined with that first-party data that we said was important but is still pretty thin, will drive business models in the Roaring Twenties. It will even transform business models in the Roaring Twenties. For the high-performance brands of the next data generation, we have seen that the new era of sourcing primary customer data, we see it in our prospects and our clients as we talk to them about this type of data, and they begin to test it and pilot it, has already begun. This era of new primary data has already begun. Thank you for the opportunity to share this primary data concept with you, and we look forward to our next podcast. Mm -hmm.